Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jam Journals is a proud partner of Yesterday's Concert Podcast and member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. My foot slammed the pedal to the floorboard. Like a space monkey revving for launch, the tire spun in place. When the rubber finally gripped the road, the car jerked into overdrive. The G-force slammed me into the back of my seat. I was in the driver's seat of a two-ton missile moving through hyperspace like the Millennium Falcon. Everything outside my windows was a blur. I was making great time. Red light. Uh, red light. Red light. There's a red light. My foot jumped to hit the brake on time. The wheels locked and skidded to a grinding halt mere inches from the rear bumper of another vehicle. I banged my hands against the steering wheel in a fit of rage. Come on, come on. Not now. I need a green light. I sat my fingers like a magician waved my hand like a Jedi, and even debated a deal with the devil. Anything to get this light to change colors. Alas, none of it worked. Every second spent in the car was a second closer to my failure. Growing more frustrated at the frozen red light, I wrapped the steering wheel with my palm. Red faded to black, and black faded to green. I was zero to sixty and shot off the mountain. Spinning out again and racing down the main drag, I weaved like Grandma's sewing kit. Expletives fired in quick succession as I shoot and waved off anyone and everyone in my way. An emergency? Probably not, but I need you to move. Once on campus, I caught air on speed bumps and sent pedestrians flying to the safety of sidewalks. There would be flies on my windshield. I was a gonzo in the desert. All these bats. Swinging my car in on two wheels, I was out running before I even turned my vehicle off. This wasn't the class to mess with, and I was poking the bull. Running toward my class, the pattering of my feet echoed through the empty halls. I approached the classroom door, slammed to a halt, and composed myself. The room was pitch black, save for the blinding projector in the back of the room. I was the unfunny comedian at the bad end of the spotlight. There was no hiding from its disapproving glare. When my eyeballs adjusted, I was greeted by the glazed stares of my peers. A fourth of the class was already in the books by the time I started navigating over backpacks along the dark path to my seat. Mr. Ingram, you're late. What's your reason? The professor asked. Should I try to explain the truth? Feed him a little white lie. Say something about car troubles. Yeah, or maybe there's a family emergency. What if you say you helped stop a robbery while grabbing some breakfast? What's it matter? The reality was I was late and the professor noticed. But you know what they say. The truth will set you free. Going to see Paul McCartney in concert!
Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and paperback writers. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode of Jam Journals, we open the pages to August 19th, 2009. Grab your earplugs as we go to the Cowboy Stadium in Dallas, Texas, for Paul McCartney. beautiful lady in a yellow bikini approached from the other side of the pool. Through my sunglasses, I tried to play it cool and not watch her walking our way, but yeah, she was definitely coming towards us. She rounded the pool and stopped at the end of my beach chair. Play it cool, play it cool, play it cool, man. My body tensed up in an attempt to get a little extra definition from the muscles I definitely didn't have. What fish show are you guys listening to? She asked. Did I just die and go to heaven? This beauty wants to know what fish show we're listening to? We invited her to take a seat, talk some music, have a beer. It's hard to imagine a better life than right now. Sitting poolside, sipping heady toppers, admiring the bikini-clad beauties and listening to tunes with my buds. We slept till noon, sat poolside until dark, and broed out until the wee hours of the night. This was peak summer in a college town. Yep, life couldn't get any better than this. Mr. Ingram. Mr. Ingram, care to explain yourself? Care to explain why you're late? Except, I wasn't poolside. Nor was this the best summer ever. Rather than living my best life with yellow bikini girl, I was wasting away in a dimly lit science lab every day. In the moments I wasn't in the lab, I was buried in a geology book doing homework. The ever-present call of summer was the perfect distraction to tanking this course. It was only one class, but this regularly scheduled five-month course was condensed into a four-week daily cram session. Aside from being an intensive, the class also found misery in a harsh attendance policy. Miss one class, and it's an automatic later grade job. Late to class, drop a plus to a minus. Mr. Ingram, you're late. What's your excuse? The professor asked again. Honesty's great and all, but what did he want me to say? Sorry, professor, I was going head-to-head with an evil corporate ticketing giant. I'm sorry about that. I was having car trouble and had to be towed. I can show you the receipt if you'd like. There was no receipt. I just hoped he'd say no. Mama Gump always said a little white lie. I never heard anyone. His stare bore through me with the same enthusiasm as his students. We weren't the only ones wasting the prime of our summer in this dreary space. In the 1960s, it was discovered that the Earth's lithosphere, which includes the crust and... What he determined as the truth, I don't know. He probably thought I overslept. But the truth was, I'd been up for hours. Even woke up before my alarm. There was too much work to be done. Chrome, Safari, and Explorer, I used them all. Each browser had multiple screens open. It even laid out two credit cards. This was clutch time. All those years of buying concert tickets were practice for this moment. Yeah, we're talking about practice. I watched the clock tick down. The seconds drew closer to the big moment. We're in the end game now, boys. It was like New Year's Eve as I joined the countdown aloud. Five. Four. Three. Two, one. When the ticker hit zero, it was game time. I refreshed all the browsers with lightning speed. My mouse could hardly keep up with my clicks. Bots weren't winning this time. My heart thudded in my chest with each mouse click. That sizzling summer heat outside was blaring through my bedroom window. Sweat gathered like puddles. Come on, come on, lady luck shine on me today. For a venue with more than 100,000 seats, it was stupid difficult to get one. Let, let me rephrase that. The upper deck was bound to fall, come on. But I wasn't interested in that. I actually wanted to be able to see the stage. 
while one browser was loading, I jumped to another to see if I could get a better pool. Ah, uppers again. Side stage, come on. 200s? Maybe? Let's talk about that 300 level nonsense. Again and again. Give me something good. No, the opposing end zone isn't what I meant. Was I a fool for declining those 200s? Granted, I'd be a mile from the stage, but at least I'd be in the building. But alas, the refresh of all refreshes happened. After nearly a quarter hour of barbaric battle, I emerged from the pits victorious. I'd slain the giant. Three seats in the lower bowl of AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas were on their way to my mailbox. I'm going to see Paul McCartney. I'm going to see a Beatle in concert. Not just the frontman of any band. This wasn't like seeing Deep Purple's third guitarist solo project. This was the Beatles, the holiest of holy rock bands, the Mount Rushmore of artists, the band that jump-started the musical endeavors of practically every future rock star. This is a band that everyone can point to as the band. And this wasn't just any of the Beatles. This was one half of the mammoth songwriting duo Lennon-McCartney. The Pinman, Penny Lane, Let It Be, Hey Jude, Eleanor Rigby, Yesterday, Blackbird, and to stop there feels criminal. The only surviving Beatle who could still sell out a venue of any size. Sir Paul McCartney was the torchbearer for a new generation of Beatles fans, and I was going to be in attendance. Like all baby boomers, my parents grew up with the Beatles. For my mom, she was charmed by their boyish good looks and their catchy hooks about hand-holding and falling in love. For my dad, it was all about the rock and roll. There was nothing more cutting edge than the Beatles, except maybe the Stones, but that's an argument for another day. They were on the late end of the baby boomer generation, but the Beatles touched everything. Their music and following solo careers were commonplace on their favorite radio stations growing up. Then I came along, a teenager of the early aughts and absolutely obsessed with classic rock. It was the second wave of Beatles mania and a daily blast of teenage nostalgia. The same music my dad grew up annoying his parents with was seducing their teenager. Instead of saying that music was better in his day, the radio is a source of father-son bonding. My dad told me stories of seeing Peter Frampton and Hart in concert, and I ate up every second of it. He relished the chance to take his kid to see the music he grew up loving. Together we saw artists like The Eagles, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, and several other classic rock legends. And as great as it was to see these bands together, it was a painful reality to the shows. These acts could rarely compete with the vintage concert of yesteryear that I watched. My dad lived their prime and now I was vicariously living through him. Of all the legacy acts we saw together, I never walked away honestly thinking, well that's the best show I've ever seen. Always grateful but acknowledging their prime days were well behind them. So as excited as I was about seeing a Beatle, I'd learned the hard way. It's best to temper those expectations. The stage lights drop. The house music zips quiet. It's showtime. Cue the thunderous applause. Except, there was none. Four blokes walk onto the stage. They strap into their instruments and start an intro worthy of a king's entrance. The girl next to me starts screaming like this was her favorite band. She might take her top off. Most people didn't even applaud though. I wasn't even aware that there was an open. Who are these peons and what are they doing on Sir Paul's stage? Welcome to the show, we're the script. The singer and out. The band's presence was completely dwarfed by the end zone sized stage and the skyscraper tall video screens. Posing the stage, the sun's golden hour rays tore into the stadium. It was like someone had left the lights on. 
We're so very honored to share the stage with a true legend. I hope you're ready for the greatest show of your life tonight. This script singer told the audience. The crowd roared with excitement. Come on, man. Really? Greatest show ever? The only thing greatest happened tonight is your case of pandering. There's no way a 67-year-old rock star, entertaining the masses past his prime, can compete with the young dudes on the circuit. Give me a break, guy. I don't care if this is a former Beatle on the stage. Ain't no chance this is going to be the best show ever. Yes, I know what you're saying. Paul has an undeniable legacy status. He's a household name, no introduction needed. A living legend still walking the earth, yada yada. But this was just blatant pandering. This wasn't Beatles mania. There were no screaming fanatics, no one passed out from excitement and lust. These are different days. Let's try to rein it in a little bit, buddy. But I gotta hand it to the guys in the script. Sure, I thought they sucked, but their challenge was astronomical. How do you prime the audience for one of the Beatles? There's not a name large enough to do that slight justice. The massive stones that it takes to even consider joining that bill is a propensity I'll never know. Yet, here we are. They faced the crowd, did their best, and elicited a few woos along the way. Their 45-minute set may have been better served if they had just repeatedly yelled, Are you ready for Paul McCartney? Every fan was out of their seat and screaming at the first note of the pop bouncer, Drive My Car. The show was on and apparently Beatles mania was in the air tonight. The crowd of baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and even Gen Z were all universally whipped into a frenzy. Grandpa had everyone beside themselves, but can you blame them? This is a Beatle after all. Not to mention, Drive My Car is a total bop. Reverberating off the walls, I was hit by McCartney on all sides. It was one of the worst sounding rooms I'd ever been in. The echo chamber boomed like dropping a brick in a metal garbage can. From my seat, one ear was hearing notes before the other. This wasn't a room built to compete with the Sydney Opera House. It was built for dudes in tights to slam their bodies into concussions while chasing the old pigskin. There's something about the terrible acoustics fit. It's like Shea Stadium. It's like the Sullivan Show. It's like every Beatles concert. The sound didn't matter. We were in the presence of rock and roll royalty. The McCartney solo songs were good, but when they were followed by songs like The Long and Winding Road and Blackbird, they're easily forgettable. Hearing those Beatles songs live was like spinning Sgt. Peppers for the first time. These songs were just as relevant today as they were back then. They were the catchiest of pop songs, the most inspirational of rock songs. It was our first love and last heartbreak. The Beatles were tied to everything. Yet it wasn't like anything we'd experienced before. No member of the crowd missed a chance to sing along. It was the largest choir I'd ever heard. Even the most begrudgingly stoked were out of their seats dancing and singing along. Paul bounced between solo hits and Beatles favorites. It was a tour of the greatest contributions to musical inspiration. But the Beatles songs were what the audience really wanted. There was something unexplainable about hearing those songs performed live by an original member. I'd heard these songs hundreds of times. The Beatles were staples of my CD collection, regulars of my iPod, and always a radio favorite. But when Paul sang Eleanor Rigby, the significance of the performance hit me. This was the guy. These were the songs. After finishing the frantic B-side rocker, I'm down, McCartney exchanged his signature Hofner bass for a small ukulele. His next song goes out to my old pal George, he said.
His left hand drifted back and forth, but the notes barely emanated from the tiny instrument. The roar of the crowd was squelched to a perfect silence, almost inaudible. The music was so quiet that the harsh reverberation of the room couldn't pick it up. He stepped to the microphone. His trademark boyish wail morphed into a mellow whisper. Something in the way she moves. Paul's voice came over the speakers, scarcely heard over the tiny instrument. The crowd's silence was erased as they recognized the hit. With each strum of the tiny ukulele, my chest grew tighter. My face was flush and my cheeks got puffy. It was so beautiful. To be nearly 70, Paul's voice was nailing the quiet authority of the song. I'd heard this song countless times. As a guitar-obsessed teenager, I poured over George Harrison's work. He was my favorite Beatle. In that moment, I remembered every time I ever heard this song, what it was like to hear Elvis cover it, what it was like to be in love and hear it. Then my vision got blurry and my nose began to drop. Before I even had a chance to put on a brave face, that song had completely swept over me. I tried to pull in a deep breath to compose myself, but it was too little too late. Warm droplets steamed down my face while I shifted in my seat to hide my embarrassment. Openly weeping without the slightest understanding of why, I cried until the very last note of the song. Like an erectile dysfunction commercial, I swear this had never happened before. I found solace in music throughout the majority of my life. It's one of the first things I ever connected to. There's always a song to fit every step of life. There's always a song to take you to the place you want to go. It's your best friend when you're alone, and it's a companion that needs no explanation. But I'd never been moved by a song to a physical reaction this strong. I dabbed my face on my shirt sleeve and tried to hide the blubbery mess I'd become. The song was so beautiful. I'm not sure what the performance released, but since that night I cry at almost every single show. The beauty of the performance, the way live music brings people of all walks to a few hours of peace and community. Live music does what no other art can do. Aside from Live and Let Die, from something to the end of the show, through two encores and 13 songs, was all Beatles music. Each song was more important than the last. When McCartney stepped away from the microphone and led the crowd through an endless parade of nanas, it happened again. I could hear my mom's voice singing along with the crowd as they waved their hands over their heads. I wanted to join the choir, but I choked on the lump in my throat. I couldn't squeak out a noise if I had tried. The levee was ready to break again. It was all I could do to keep the waterworks inside. Paul, what have you done to me, man? The confetti cannons were empty, the house lights were back on, and the band had ducked the stage. It was time to go home. I couldn't believe any of it. I just saw a beetle in concert. And he played Day Tripper, and Yesterday, and Let It Be. The songs that shape music as we know it. And they sounded good. No, better than good. Great. And I started thinking about all the songs that he didn't play. Dear Prudence, A Hard Day's Night, Penny Lane, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And those are just the Paul songs. When you hear the Beatles and their music in everyday life, it's easy to overlook their significance. Their music has become so common that I forget that their entire discography is essentially a greatest hits collection. Not to mention, Paul's solo career isn't mediocre by any stretch. Then when given the opportunity to hear these songs live, there's a reason Beatles mania was a very real thing. There was nothing like it before, and there will be nothing like it again. As we exited the venue, I got several texts from my music-loving friends asking me how the show was. 
In this situation, it's easy to overstate an instant reaction. Your adrenaline is pumping, you just heard your favorite songs, and your eyes are still adjusting from the blinding lights. But I had no doubt in my mind. There wasn't even a comparison. What do you know? Maybe that script singer knows a thing or two after all. I unapologetically responded, Best show ever. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jam Journals and reliving one of my favorite concert memories. Have you seen the artist before? How was your experience? Similar? Better? Worse? Let us know on social media, at Yesterday's Concert. We're on all the channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Give us a shout or shoot us an email at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. Until next time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and check us out at yesterdaysconcert.com. And don't forget, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.